I think a lot of times when brands are in a situation where there is distress, there is this urgency to like fix things quickly or do things, whether or not there's a lot of thought behind it. It's the keep moving, keep trying. And I'm a big believer in those situations of pausing and really understanding what's at stake, what are the issues, and then responding. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Joe, thanks for having me to your pod. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so let's jump right into it. Um, sure. I'm sure listeners uh, are wanting to know who you are and what you do. So uh, how about you give some context and uh, light to who you are and kind of your origin story? Uh, sounds good. Yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm a advertising and marketing guy by trade. Um, spent most of my career in, well, not most, but a, a good part of the uh early to mid part of my career in, in advertising, uh, most of which was spent at um, Ogilvy and Mather. Uh, I worked out of the, the New York City office. You know, had a, an amazing experience just working with, you know, some of the most interesting brands a guy can be lucky enough to, uh, to, uh, to work with. Um, and those are, you know, and it was a, it was a, it was a kind of a dog's breakfast of a, of a lot of different brands and a lot of different categories running from, um, Ameritrade to American Express, AT&T Wireless, Cisco, Deloitte, Delta Airlines, Goldman Sachs, IBM, Motorola, Progressive Insurance. And then one of the more interesting ones, uh, was the NFL, uh, which, uh, Obviously, uh, in today's day and age, is uh, uh, the NFL and, and sports teams in general is uh, pretty top of mind for people as it relates to you know what's going on in in the uh, in in the the world today. So um, it's uh, it, it really did a it, it you know stewarding these kinds of brands and um, you know I I had all sorts of different, you know, challenges, these brands going from, uh, you know, complete, uh, turnarounds, um, to growing new categories to, uh, how to handle, uh, you know, a merger or an acquisition of another brand. Um, you know, I really got a, a tremendous, uh, breadth of, of experiences, um, uh, from working with those kinds of brands at that level. So, it was, uh, it was really a, uh, um, you know, a, a great way to sort of spend, you know, the, as I said, the sort of the early to mid, um, you know, part of my career and really prepared me for um, the firm that I ended up starting in 2007 called Brand Value Advisors. Um, and um, that was a, that was a firm that was really focused on working with brands that were um, acquired by private equity firms. Uh, and our specialty was working with private equity firms, um, both when they were assessing uh, an acquisition, 
uh, and helping them understand what the brand's unique contribution to value was and, you know, how they should be thinking about uh, uh, whether or not to acquire it and then what to do once they've acquired it. So that was a brand I founded. We had, um, when I sold it in 2016, we had about 35 folks working for us uh, and, um, you know, worked on a whole host of brands. Um, and again, as I said, both on the pre-acquisition side, so doing a lot of diligencing work with the acquisition teams uh, on, the, on the private equity side, helping them, again, really quantify and qualify what they were, what they were looking at. And then, again, as I said, how to think about um, what to do with the brand uh, when, once they own it. And again, our specialty was very much around the brand's contribution to value. And we had really two, two tranches of, uh, of, uh, of engagement. The first was, you know, before, the, before a private equity firm bought the business, we, um, you know, developed a, a, a process by which they could really understand um, you know, the, um, the risks and opportunities associated with that particular investment. Um, and I'd say probably in that, in that capacity, we worked on probably, you know, over the course of 10 years, 600 plus deals. Um, and, uh, and then the other area of engagement was a practice, which was working with the portfolio companies themselves, uh, and helping them to um, develop strategies, um, look at opportunities of growth. Um, if the if the brand was challenged, how best to turn turn the situation around. Um, and you know, between those two areas of, of of engagement, we worked on you know you name it. Um, you know, the, the the category the categories ran from. Um, you know, apparel and apparel and beauty, travel and leisure, consumer electronics, food and beverage, online education, uh, action sports, uh, entertainment and sports, uh, and health and wellness. Uh, so, you know, a very broad range of, of categories and, and, and the kinds of brands that we uh, engage with, uh, whether it was on, on the diligence side, uh, or whether it was, uh, you know, on the management side of coming in and helping them develop the strategies or even putting ourselves uh, in a management role. So we had a pretty robust um, uh, interim CMO um, practice where we would actually put folks, um, you know, in, in, inside the company, uh, playing the role of the chief marketing officer to help really drive, you know, drive those opportunities and or help them you know, redirect. And, um, you know, those, those, uh, um, those categories, I mean, or those, those brands ran from, you know, you, you, you know, were wide ranging from 2U Education, Arby's, Cannondale, Deloitte, GoPro, Intermix, J. Crew, JetBlue, Lyft, NetJets, uh, Northwestern Mutual, Old Navy, Panera Bread, Rossignol, Skull Candy, Sbarro Pizza, Spotify, Square, Tivana, Tesla, and Toomey. So, um, really, a lot of um, a, a wide ranging group of brands with lots of different challenges. So it was, uh, um, uh, you know, a terrific experience. Um, and you know, as I said, sold that company in two thousand seventeen. 
and have since then um, really been playing a, a role of, uh, of uh, on my own uh, as an interim chief marketing officer. So uh, typically I'm engaged by a private equity firm that says, um, need you to come in and uh, again, not the, the challenges or the, or the, or the, or the, the mission was not too different from what we did at BBA, but, um, you know, I now do that, um, as an individual, um, uh, and the brand today that I'm, I'm, I'm playing that role with is, uh, Fox racing, which is a global brand about 40 years old, um, that, um, is, uh, in the business of making apparel and gear for folks that ride motocross and, and mountain bikes. Uh, and so that's, uh, you know, that's kind of where I am as of today. Um, so it's, uh, it's been a fun ride continues to be. Um, and, um, you know, I never find, um, it's always challenging and there's always, um, you know, really interesting, uh, problems and opportunities to solve for or to take advantage of. And, and I can tell you in this day and age, uh, that's more so now than ever. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. No, it seems like your background, um, you've had a wealth of experience uh, working with all these uh, high-ticket nine-name brands. Um, obviously, uh, you have a lot of insights you could uh, give to the listeners. A lot of the listeners are marketers and even small business owners. But uh, from your perspective, how, how has the industry, marketing industry changed from when you first started to now? Um, well... You know, I, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. I, I think, um, you know, I'm a big believer that, um, you know, brand um, in terms of, uh, of a variable that, uh, that, that, you know, makes, you know, one of the variables that makes up a business. I, you know, believe this then and I believe it more now than ever that brand is the greatest driver of value. Um, and if you do it well, that value is. Um, uh, doesn't have a ceiling. So I think that, um, you know, if your brand is healthy, uh, limber, nimble, and is, um, really the focus of, of what you do and how you do it. Um, that is, uh, that has never changed. And I think if you look at brands that are doing well, um, and they continue to do well, uh, brand is always, you know, at the top of the list in terms of priorities, uh, and focus. So that's, uh, you know, I would say that that's, that's never changed. Um, I think, you know, what is evolving is, uh, especially in this world of social, um, mediums and platforms, uh, how, 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 um, brands communicate with consumers, you know, before it was really, you know, a more of a one-way conversation. Uh, there is no doubt today that now it is a very much of a two-way conversation. And so much to the point that, you know, consumers have a very, um, direct and active role in, um, informing how a brand, um, behaves. Um, they have greater, uh, influence, um, and impact on, um, you know, how a brand, uh, is positioned and how it speaks to, how it speaks to people. Um, and so that's, you know, I think probably the, the biggest change is that dialogue. Uh, it is much more, uh, democratic. It is much more of a two way, uh, conversation, um, with consumers having a tremendous amount of influence. Um, 
in, uh, you know, how brands are stewarded and grown. And, um, you know, that's the thing that, you know, I work on a lot and that the brands I work on is how do you, um, how do you manage a brand, uh, where the, the, the environment is much more of a two-way conversation. Uh, how do you listen? How do you react? Uh, what do you listen to? What do you take into consideration? Um, and, and how do you take those, um, inputs and, and, uh, feedback and, and, and continue to, um, uh, help a brand evolve. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. You kind of touched on it already, uh, with the two-way conversation and building that brand experience. Um, but from your perspective, Mike, how's, uh, how do you create a great customer or even brand experience from your, from your experience? Um, be authentic. I know that, I know that, um, uh, you know, that word gets thrown out, thrown out a lot around a lot, but, um, you know, brands, it's like, you know, brands are like friends and, um, the more open and honest, um, and available, uh, you are, um, especially in this day and age where the, the brands are so exposed and the back and forth and the mediums in which, uh, brands and consumers now communicate with each other. Um, that that's more important than ever. Um, you know, as, uh, David Ogilvy used to like to say, uh, the consumer is not an idiot. The consumer is your wife. Um, it, uh, you have to treat consumers with respect. Um, you can't fake it. Uh, they're more savvy than ever. Um, the, the ages in which, uh, consumers, uh, engage with brands and develop relationships is getting younger and younger and more and more sophisticated. Um, I would argue that the younger audiences are, are incredibly sophisticated. Um, the American consumer, when I, if I'm speaking, you know, uh, you know, specifically has always been a very sophisticated buyer. Um, and, uh, they know when, uh, they are, uh, being dealt with, um, honestly, um, and when they're not, and, uh, they will reward and punish you for not being, um, you know, authentic and honest, um, and real. Uh, they can, they're very good now more than ever than at smelling a rat. And so, um, you know, really, having a good foundation by which you can not only communicate to a consumer, but you can have these dialogues and, um, the ability to listen and take in what, what's happening and what they're doing, um, how their behaviors are, are changing and impacting what, what, you know, what's happening out there. Um, and really having a, a really good antenna, not only to, uh, the consumers that happen to be in your category, I think category boundaries are also breaking down. I think brands more now than ever have to be uh, very attuned to just what's happening out there in the world in general. Um, I learn a lot um, from looking at other brands and other categories and what they're doing and, and more, more now than ever, uh, what other brands are doing in categories that aren't even necessarily relevant to you um, are can be very instructive in, in, in how... Um, you know, you think about your own brand in terms of communication. I always look to brands that are 
doing a really good job of what I just explained, um, understanding how that works, and um, and and then you know taking that, using what you know is relevant for us, and applying it. So, you know, it's you know in a nutshell, brands that are doing well and what we strive to do are have are, are great listeners. They're great observers. They're very curious. Um, they are far less dogmatic, um, much more open to um, change and listening uh, to what's happening, and then really being able to quickly uh, take that feedback and you know apply it um, in real time. Mm, absolutely, Mike. Speaking of successful, uh, building a successful brand. Uh, What's been the most successful branding campaign you've ever worked on that maybe you can share? Yeah, I think, um, and this is going a ways back, um, back to my Ogilvy days, um, a client of mine was, uh, was IBM. Um, this was, I'm dating myself, but going back into the late 90s. Um, IBM at that time, um, you know, was suffering from the, the, the issues that I was, was talking about before, which was they had lost relevancy. And some of that was not of their own making. Um, the world was changing. We were moving from much more of an analog to a, a digital world and an e-commerce world. Um, the internet was, was in its early stages of becoming what it is today. Um, and IBM this huge behemoth that you would argue invented uh, the category of, of technology um, was pretty rigid and um, pretty stuck in, in time. And, um, you know, and they were being usurped by, you know, brands that were born of, uh, of, of a time that they, they were not. So think about Microsoft or Oracle or Sun Microsystems. Um, you know, these were brands that were incredibly relevant in the eyes of their consumers. Um, and IBM found themselves on the outside looking in, which was incredibly frustrating for them. Um, you know, IBM was the king of the hill for a really long time. I think there was a lot of institutional arrogance. Um, and they found themselves, um, out in the cold as a brand. So much so that, you know, the, the business was suffering significantly. Um, and, uh, and at a, you know, when we were kind of coming on, there was serious talk of breaking the business up. Um, you know, they had a lot of, you know, big segments that they were playing in. And, um, a lot of analysts out there were saying that the, the brand itself might be more valuable in pieces than as a whole. And at that time, um, Lou Gerstner, uh, became the CEO. And this was a guy who came from not the technology world. You know, he came from, um, you know, American Express um, and uh, Nabisco. You know, this is a cookie guy. But, you know, this gets back to the argument is if you are uh, a good brand person, um, your background matters little. Really what matters is your ability to intuit and listen to a consumer. And, you know, Lou came in there with a, a learner's mentality, Again, he was not um, prejudiced by having a background in technology, and he looked at IBM much more as a consumer business, a consumer-facing business. Um, that you know, it didn't matter 
um, you know, who the end user was, you know, we're all still human um, and um, need to be spoken to um, in terms that are, are relevant. Um, and so that was sort of the kind of the, the table that was set um, when we came on the scene. And, um, you know, the one big issue that I think uh, was challenging for a lot of customers out there was how do you pivot from sort of an analog era to a, an e-commerce era? And a lot of clients were really, really struggling with this. And you had lots of new businesses were out there saying, you know, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. You know, IBM, you know, if you always look for where the advantage is. And IBM, regardless of, 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 of its relevance, had real capabilities uh, in working with companies to help them transform uh, their businesses. And uh, there was no greater transformation period than I would argue than that period between 1995 and say 2000. Um, and brands were really struggling with how to do this. Um, and there were a lot of new brands on the scene, but they didn't have the, the legacy or the experience of working with businesses at a transformational level. So we took that sort of advantage and then we basically made the brand approachable, uh, but also highlighted the fact that this is a big time. This is a big opportunity. There's lots of risks. There's lots of opportunities. Who better to help you with that transformation than a, than a firm like IBM with its reach, its technologies, its capabilities? Again, um, challenges around relevance and, and whether what they were doing mattered. But uh, this gets down to the marketing. You know, we um, pivoted the business from being really a big iron institutional IT firm to a firm that could help you migrate from the past to a real e-commerce driven world. In fact, um, you know, we invented that, that term e-commerce and through our you know, the next phase was how do you do that in a way that is disarming, uh, yet uh, legitimate um, and qualified. And, um, you know, we developed an e-commerce e campaign that, you know, mixed both our capabilities, real world issues, um, blended in with some humor. Um, and it, it really was founded around what we call the Blue, Lot Blue Letterbox campaign. And we just called out all these different types of, um, uh, of scenarios and challenges that were businesses were facing and presented, you know, what those looked like, how IBM can solve it. And we really did it, um, you know, uh, through a humorous filter, um, not, you know, ha ha gag, but really sort of coming from, you know, humor of kind of a, a knowing humor, like, this is a big deal. Are you going to leave it to, uh, you know, a dot com company that you know was founded two years ago? Are you going to leave this kind of transformation in the hands of, of a of a firm that's been around for two years and the average age of the employee is you know twenty five, or are you going to you know look to a firm like IBM um, to help you really successfully migrate and cross this chasm? Um, and that was the whole premise of the brand itself. And then how we communicated, uh, that, 
that proposition. Um, and it was wildly successful. Um, Lou Gerstner even said himself that the e-business positioning changed the game for IBM. And IBM went from, in 1995, to seriously considering breaking themselves up to 2005 being the most valuable, um, most important, most relevant brand uh, as a, a transformer uh, of, of and a definer of how e-commerce should be working. Um, and again, you know, the valuation went from X billions to multi, multi, multi billions of dollars in value. Um, it, uh, it allowed us to, um, it opened up the door for, for IBM to get into what is now their most valuable, um, segment, which is consulting. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, absolutely. The rest is history. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mike. That's uh, really enlightening. Sure. Uh, I didn't know all about that, uh, IBM uh, campaigns. Um, just wanted to switch gears a little bit. Um, I wanted to get more, maybe some more tactical marketing um, insights from you. Um, I was curious as to know what's the biggest misconception about launching a new brand or even a marketing campaign. Um, I think the biggest misconception is that well, let me think about this for a second. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I'm not sure if it's a misconception. I think it's a mistake. I I think that I think that still a lot of brands, um, and it, it, and regardless of the segment, most brands feel like, or businesses feel like, brand is something that is some is not always a priority. Like get the product perfect, get the, you know, here's our market, here's what we're going to do. I think the, the misconception overall executionally is they, they, they build it before people come. And so it's built a lot around assumptions. Um, I think um, companies today there, cause there is so much information, so much data, so much analytics, you know, we, 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 you know, we pray to the temple of data. And I would argue that, you know, data is obviously important, but it's directional and it's looking back um, and or it's um, sometimes can put out false negatives in terms of where the opportunity lies. Um, uh, and, and therefore, a lot of firms, one, don't put brand first, and then they tend to build um, their, their offerings around data um, without really having a sense of who they are and why they matter. And I think a lot of brands feel like that that can be solved down the road, right? So I'll give you a really good example um, um, of, of a company that did this, I think, really, really well. Casper, you know, the online mattress um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, brand. So they, they came in um, looking to disrupt a category. You know, you bought a mattress the same way forever. And they thought there was a different way of doing it. Um, and it was quite different. Um, and what they relied more on was not so much how to make a old process 
better, they reinvented or reimagined how consumers behave and make purchase decisions like this. Um, and with that sort of frame of mind, they built a brand around that kind of, uh, of attitude or, or, or perspective. And so they were really much, very much of a, you know, here we brand first, um, versus talking about the speeds and feeds about how you actually buy, uh, the product, you know, they looked around and saw how other categories were starting to do this based on how consumers were behaving, uh, and, and how they purchase things, um, and how old, you know, um, dogmatic ways of doing things, um, just, uh, were no longer, um, one is relevant, but the consumers were much more, uh, open to trying, um, um, and, um, and executing purchase behaviors, um, than ever before. Um, they really trusted the consumer. And I think, you know, I think a big mistake that, um, brands make when they're first starting out and even brands that are established is the minute you sort of lose contact with the consumer, or you don't trust them, or you think, you know, better, um, you're an, you, you tend to, you know, the, the opportunities for missing are far greater. So, um, I think a big, you know, mistake is building a brand from the get go where you are not really trusting or listening to the consumer, uh, in ways that matter, uh, is, uh, is, you know, probably, you know, the, the, gr the greatest mistake one can make. Um, and, and that attitude, um, it, you know, that attitude of, of trusting a consumer, of being open, those, that, that's, those are very much brand characteristics as much as, you know, the color or the tonality or the look, uh, it really is an attitude and, and brands today that are doing this very, very well, trust the consumer. They have a very, very rich, uh, and open a uh, flexible and nimble, nimble relationship with the consumer. Um, and so I think that the conception that one brand is a secondary task that can wait, um, I think is a big misconception and a big mistake. I think brand is really what you have to sort of understand first and brands can evolve, but like really what are the tenants? What do you live by? Um, really establishing those, baking those into the culture, baking those into the offering, baking that into the infrastructure. Uh, that is, that really is what you have to do. You've always had to do it, but more so now than ever, just because of the world we live in. Mm, absolutely. It seems like listening, uh, to your audience and authenticity are like the key pillars of, um, building a successful brand. Um, but what do you think maybe is the most exciting um, marketing trend at the moment? Um, you know, I'm not really a trend guy because I think trends are temporal. Um, I think by the time you're sort of aware of a trend, it's already happening. Um, and... Uh, that's not to say that trends are not uh, helpful and informative to um, 
because I think you you need to, again, as I said, have a very good antenna out there as to what's happening and what's going on. But um, I think that it's not really so much of a trend, but I think it's a, a, it's a way of, of how you look at the world now that is, um, you know, brands that are, you know, doing this really well. Um, it is um, being a very, very good listener and being very open um, to what is happening in the world at large um, and being able to disseminate um, those, those, those variables um, and making them... Um, relevant and impactful to how you are going about building your own proposition. Um, and that's really an attitude. You know, that is a, that's a way of looking uh, at the world and at the, the consumers you live in. And I, uh, and I think, you know, this, this idea of, you know, erasing the line between a consumer and a franchise and really um, being a brand that, that is, you know, in the room with the consumer uh, versus outside watching them and reacting, I think that is that is the that's the big change um, that, that has been happening. Um, and brands that are doing that really well uh, are succeeding. And brands that are um, that have been struggling um, but have changed their worldview um, towards what I'm talking about. Um, are finding real success. So, for example, I think Domino's, uh, pound for pound, is the best brand out there today in terms of doing the kinds of things that we, we've just been talking about. Um, they are listening. They've broken down walls. Um, they um, really understand what's happening out there. And they have been able to masterfully um, move their brand, uh, from A to B, um, and really become, um, not just relevant, but I think a brand that people, um, want to be a part of. Um, and, um, and I think they've been rewarded tremendously for that. Um, I think what they've done over during this COVID, I mean, no, no category has been greater, more impacted, I would argue, than, you know, the food services and restaurant, you know, re restaurant industry. Um, and I think they have, um, they were already on their way. Um, you know, Domino's was in a lot of trouble um, for a while around their quality control, their service, um, the product. Um, and, you know, five or six years ago, they, they actually just sort of threw up their hands and said, listen, we're lost, consumer, help us, help us get better. Um, and they undertook a lot of initiatives, um, both internally and externally in terms of the way they talk to the consumers that really turned the tide in terms of, Hey, brands are like people, they get lost, they make mistakes. Um, um, and the difference between somebody that, that gets lost and makes mistakes and gets better. Um, and those that don't, it's an attitude, you know, you work on yourself. Um, and I think, Domino's had already been doing that for a long time um, and were already well underway in sort of their transformation. Um, but, you know, to see that the, the that transformation in action 
during this very dynamic time that we've found ourselves in the last three months. Um, and it has been really fun to watch um, in the way they communicate, um, the way they understand their consumers' concerns, what they need, how they need it, when they need it, um, the tone of voice. Um, I hate this phrase that is, you know, now kind of thrown around very lazily, which is we are all in this together, right? You know, <laughs> advertisers are saying that, you know, from car companies to, you know, you know, to tampon manufacturers, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everyone's in this together. And I, I, you know, it means nothing unless you really uh, walk it. And I think Domino's, um, and they don't even say it. They don't have to say it. They're doing it in their deeds and not their words. Um, and I think that is, that is really, um, you know, a brand that I look at, um, and respect tremendously because of, um, not only how they were able to turn the franchise around based on that, that, that way of thinking, um, prior to COVID. And now they really have been rewarded because during this time, I think they've really been able to take those practices, those change behaviors and really apply them uh, greatly to their advantage. Mm, I really love that. Uh, do the deeds and not the words. Uh, that's yeah. that's uh, yeah. definitely a quotable right there. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and listen, it's an old adage. You know, it doesn't, you know, as I said, you know, building brands are, you know, when you ask the question, you know, like what's changed, you know, what more that's changed, more that's stayed the same, you know, listen, do the right thing. Um, some humility, um, some, some courage, um, um, you know, it all, that, that, that all adds up to authenticity and execution. And those are, that's really, that, that, that formula hasn't changed. Um, but it's a much harder, uh, it's much harder to do that, uh, than, uh, than, than it would appear. Absolutely. And I totally agree, Mike. Um, that's what, I'm just curious to get your perspective as uh, as an expert in the field, but say you were launching a new brand, maybe Mike Kelly's uh, clothing brand, um, and you had 50% more budget than you usually do. Uh, what are some of the things that you would uh, spend it on and, and why? Um, so again, I'm a bit of a contrarian here. I, I think... Um, I've, oh, I, I've never been a big fan of big budgets. Um, I think big budgets, um, uh, tend to suppress creativity, um, and, uh, an attitude by which you go to solve a problem. Um, I don't think, um, and again, money in terms of how, you know, as a lever to get your message out there is important, but in terms of really getting to an idea, uh, that sort of encapsulates what, you know, what we've been talking about, um, budget to me doesn't really uh, come into the equation as much. Um, I think that there are brands that, you know, have grown tremendously. Um, I mean, take a look at, you know, Google or, you know, a lot of, you know, a, you know, Facebook. And now again, a lot of, a lot of their, you could argue a lot of their marketing advertising is, is, is baked into their, baked into their offering based on, you know, just the scale of the usage, uh, that their customer base provides them. 
but I, I, whenever I hear, I can't do this because I don't have enough money. That to me is lazy. Um, I think good ideas, um, that are executed well, uh, don't require a lot of money. Um, that being said, um, if I was, you know, I guess what I would say rather than if I had 50% more of a budget, I think where my focus, um, would be in terms of my activity, um, is, um, you know, people, um, and building a, a, a group, uh, a constituency, both internally and externally, um, and having the platform by which you can best deploy and take advantage of, of, of consumers that are out there and the, your employees, um, the, the alchemy of, of, of how that gets built, um, and then how it gets deployed. That's where my focus would be and where I would be, you know, spend, you know, spending money. Um, um, you know, media today is actually relatively inexpensive. I mean, you're, you know, the, the big costs in the past, um, as it relates to advertising budgets really was, was focused around, you know, print advertising and TV. Now we kind of know the place that those, you know, those, those mediums now hold. Um, and you know, the, 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 the ways in which people like get information now and share information, uh, you know, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, and a lot of it is, um, you know, relatively inexpensive in terms of an investment. So I think, you know, my, where I would focus on is the platform by which you're able to communicate, listen, um, and participate. That is where I would invest and where I am investing. You know, for instance, Fox is doing a really, we're doing a great job of doing just that. Um, you know, we have lots of different constituents. We have people that are very passionate about our brand. They're very passionate around the activity that our brand supports. Um, uh, we have a lot of different influencers. Um, there's a, there's a lot. Um, and the investment that we're making is how do you best aggregate, um, that ecosystem, um, in a way where you can listen, read and react uh, very quickly. And that's, that is a lot harder, uh, said, you know, a lot harder done than said. And, um, that requires, um, uh, investment and it requires focus. Um, and, you know, because there's so much information and so many ways to communicate, um, that you can absolutely, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. Um, it's almost a, you know, a uh, an embarrassment of riches and how you are able to, um, set up a platform, which we, where you can disseminate what matters, what doesn't matter, uh, and then be able to act on that. That's where, um, that's where I think the real investment, um, should be made. Mm, absolutely there, Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying our conversation. I think uh, <laughs> I'm just listening to all your uh, great insights. Uh, I do only have a couple more questions here for you. Um, sure. Uh, you mentioned what Fox is doing. Um, but I'm curious to know what, maybe what can you share that Fox Racing is doing that maybe some people or listeners don't know about? 
Well, I think you know Fox is a is is a, 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 a was started by a family uh, in the mid seventies. Uh, it is um, it is a passion based business. Um, people are absolutely um, are absolutely um, dedicated, um, committed. You know, there's a lot of love for the activities that, you know, Fox supports, um, whether you're on a mountain bike or whether, um, you're on a motor, you know, on a motorcycle, um, it is a, um, it's a very passion driven, very committed, um, um, uh, pursuit on the part of our consumers. And I would argue that it has always been, you know, we, we eat our own dog food, you know, most of the people that are, um, that are in the Fox community, uh, in terms of, uh, of a business have been riding motorcycles or mountain bikes, you know, all their lives. So, you know, they are as equally passionate and committed as the, the customers that we serve. And, um, and, and that's a family. Um, and so I think the thing that we're doing a very good job of is, you know, Fox doesn't have an awareness problem. In fact, when we've done research, it arguably pound for pound, you know, we have, you know, awareness ratings that, you know, are right in there with, you know, the apples and the, you know, the Googles, um, you know, of the world and the Nikes of the world. Um, what we need to impart and to promote and to encourage and to recognize is that, um, the, the pursuit by which we serve is very, is very much of a family. Um, and, um, if, if you can be recognized as part of that family and understanding, you know, the needs, um, the quirks, the ups, the downs, the pros and cons of family's family, right? It, you know, there's, there's all sorts of elements that go into, to a family and what we've been doing, I think, a fantastic job of, because we are the leader in the category, um, is really promoting um, and encouraging and celebrating this notion of uh, that this is a family pursuit. Uh, we have a role in that pursuit that's very, very important. Um, we understand um, what that role is. Um, and what we have to do in order to make other members of our family um, um, exci excited, encouraged, motivated um, to uh, do their best um, in, in, in what they're doing. Uh, and so I think that's been a, you know, from a brand perspective, that's been the, the, the thing that we've really looked to, um, um, to focus on and to celebrate. Mm. Awesome to know. Um, it's worked out very well for us because, you know, we're a retail business and we have, and that family includes um, our distributors and our retailers, um, not just the people that work inside the four walls of Fox or the folks that are buying our products. We have salespeople, distributors, you know, they have their own challenges. I mean, God, I mean, I mean, being a retailer in this day and age is harrowing. Um, and so, we are, we are part of that family. Um, and, um, they're, you know, a lot of them are looking to us, 
Um, not just as a brand that provides a, a product that people really love and want, but how can we help all of our members of our family, you know, thrive during this time as best as they can. And I would argue that our sales like have been impacted, but I don't think they've been impacted to the extent that other brands uh, that don't have, you know, this sort of um, positioning or attribute uh, um, and, and attitude around understanding, um, you know, that this is a collective effort. We have to support each other, uh, you know, again, very much like a family. Absolutely. It has that family dynamic and it always perseveres through uh, whatever times uh, you're going through. Um, to end the podcast, uh, what we usually like to do is um, obviously marketing and branding is all about uh, identity and standing for something and having a voice. Um, so what, what we like to do is ask um, our guests, what's the most unpopular or even out of the box uh, stance you've ever taken and why? Well, I've done this a few times with a few different brands, which is, you know, there, like, there's, uh, and this has been in, you know, I, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of turnaround situations. Um, you know, there's a phrase when, in, when you're in hell, you know, keep going or, you know, when you're in a hole, stop digging. Um, I think a lot of times when brands are, um, in a, uh, in a situation where there is distress, um, and it's not just brands. I think this is human nature. Uh, there is this urgency to like fix things quickly, um, or do things, you know, do things, um, you know, whether or not there's a lot of thought behind it. It's, it's the keep moving, keep trying. Um, and I'm a big believer, um, in those situations of pausing and really understanding, you know, what is, what's at stake, what are the issues, and then responding. Um, that is, um, a, to a lot of people, very counterintuitive because it connotes that you're not doing anything. Um, when in fact you are doing something, you are stopping, you are thinking, um, you are kind of putting all the distractions and the pressures aside for a moment. I'm not saying you sit back for a year and put your feet up. I mean, you're working and you're trying to figure it out. But in terms of going to market, um, really stopping to understand what the issues are. And so the, I guess the contrarian sort of counterintuitive um, instinct that I have in those situations is to stop. Um, I have, you know, where there's been a product that, you know, needs to get out because it has to get out because we've invested and this is when it's supposed to go out, even though there are problems with it or whether the market is challenged. Um, you know, I've said a lot of times, stop, pause, think it through, get a real game plan together, um, and then execute. And I have never been in a situation where um, that has not yielded a better result than to just continue to sort of swing around in the dark for the sake of swinging. I love that. Take a moment, take a pause, and yeah, just take a moment to re reflect and uh, see where your positioning is at. I love that. I love that advice. Um, Mike, I mean, it's been a real pleasure being having you on the podcast. Uh, you've obviously had lots of great insights, and uh, I'm sure the listeners have a great, great uh, time listening. 
Uh, just to wrap up the podcast, where can the listeners connect with you online if they have some follow-up questions or even just uh, see what you're up to? Um, best way to reach me is email um, m kelly m is mike k e l l y one six four six at gmail.com. Awesome! Thanks so much, Mike. It's been a pleasure. You too. Take care. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.